G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word. Do you want to feel God like that? Then you've got to be all in. Everything like they're in. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello and welcome. My name is Bill. Thanks so much for joining me again on Today with Jeff Vines. Now, we're going to hear the rest of a message from Pastor Jeff who's studying Acts chapter 2 to help us go all in to find a deeper connection with God. Let's get straight into it here on Today with Jeff Vines. Folks, I'm going to leave you again next year. And don't complain. (laughs) Because God continues to open doors, and I'm not sure what's going to happen when I get to sit across the table from the president of Rwanda. (sighs) Pius, who's in charge of the prayer breakfast that had 30,000 people at it this year. A prayer breakfast with 30,000 people. It had to be held in a stadium. He said, Pastor Jeff, I want you to come back next year. I want you to speak at the prayer breakfast. The doors just keep opening. But the reason I tell you all that is to tell you this. When I'm in that prison, I feel so alive. I just feel like that my whole life was for this moment. I feel like the Spirit of God is on me in a way that He's not on me in any other place. And the way I feel when I'm in there is like, my goodness, it's like God's, it's so heavy. It's kind of like, if you don't do it, it can't be done. Maybe that's the problem. And I want you to know that that anointing that comes on me in that prison is the same one God wants to give to every single one of you. You know that, don't you? But you've got to find your place of risk. What is it that he's asking you to do? You say, I don't feel God like that. Let me tell you why. Because you're not on the front line of battle. That kind of sensing of the presence of God only happens when you risk it all. And you're all in then you will feel God. We've lost our ability to feel God because we've lost our willingness to what? Obey him. There is a place for you. The spirit of God is powerfully felt. In that early church, do you know why they were together? Do you know why they were talking about the awesome and miraculous thing God was doing? Because they were all on the front lines. They were dying in each other's arms in the Nero and Domitian persecutions. They were given it all and they needed each other. And when you're on the front lines, God shows up. And after the prison, we went over to do the conference with the Rwandan pastors. And I sat around the table with them. 
felt so ashamed. We had the meetings and I would teach and then we would have a meal together and it was in the mill or out in the lobby or out in the hall that some of these pastors would come and say things to me. And what they said made me feel, oh, I need to just get out of ministry. Because these guys, Anastas told me, some come from homes that have no beds, like you and I. Don't have many clothes. They live on so little. And yet, because of your generosity, we were able to love on them and give them a nice bed for at least one night and feed them three meals. And man, they ate. And a lot of them didn't want to come out of the rooms. <laughs> but they're given so much. And their attitude is, we will give whatever it takes for the gospel of reconciliation to be preached in Rwanda. And God has a calling on our lives. And I'm telling you, as they got back into the bus to leave, I knew that they would be going back into a life of hardship where they're willing to give it all. And I will get on a plane and come back here to Southern California. And it'll be only a couple of days when I'll forget all about that. And I'll start getting mad because they don't make my latte hot enough. You know what I mean? Or the food doesn't have just enough spice. What's wrong with me? What, what, why are they like that? I talked to them about John 21. And I went through that passage with them. And I noticed they all just kind of stared and listened as I said, how Jesus told Peter, Peter, when you were young, you girded yourself and you went where you wanted to go. But when you're older, somebody else is going to dress you and they're going to lead you where you don't want to go. And you're going to stretch out your hands. You're going to be crucified. And this is the way you're going to glorify me. Jesus said that to Peter. And two of the pastors came up to me later after the dinner. You know what they said to me? They said, oh, Pastor Jeff, if only we had the privilege to die for Jesus. If only our lives ended like that. You think that's my attitude? I want to avoid death at all costs. And like Woody Allen, I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens, right? <laughs> to them, glorifying God is the ultimate. And can somebody explain why is their worship in Africa so powerful? Think about it. This is how they greeted me at the conference in Harare. Just dancing and shouting and singing with great passion and smiles. And yet I thought, what do they have to smile about? Most of these people are in poverty. They don't know if they're going to get a meal tomorrow. Their basic needs might be met. And yet they raise the roof with worship. And yet you and I have everything and we have a hard time sometimes getting motivated. Now, this is not a guilt sermon. See what it sounds like it to me. Now, I'm not talking to you so much as I am to myself first. Like I am the chief of all sinners. Why do I have such a difficult time standing up and praising God for 20 minutes? Their, their services, the one we went to on Sunday morning lasted for four and a half hours. I never preach less than an hour and a half in Africa. God bless those Africans. <laughs> and they never complain. The reason is because they're under no illusion. I asked Anastas, my friend, I said, Anastas, why are they like this? Why, why are they so committed? Why are they, so, why are they all in? Why do they just position themselves to give everything they can to the kingdom and its purposes. You know what Anastas said to me? He said, Jeff, because they don't live for this world. They know they're just passing through. And then he said something interesting. On the drive back, he said, you know, you know Jeff, the American Christians, we, we pray for you. 
What? You pray for us? We pray for you. No, we pray. Why? Because your affluence is a distraction. You're so busy with other things. But we have no other things. We have but one call and one purpose, the gospel of reconciliation. But you're distracted by so many other things, and, I, and we pray for you. It must be hard. Can you, you see, he had pity for us. Can I ask you, the early church got together in the small groups and they had their stories to tell about how the miraculous hand of God was moving. Can I ask you, do you have a story to tell? About how you walked across the room and God moved. How you started using your spiritual gifts and God moved. How you took a risk and invested in somebody's life and God moved. How you reached out, took a great chance and God moved. How you served, how you gave, how you loved somebody and God did this. Do you want to feel God like that? Then you've got to be all in. Everything like they're in. And the early church, they were all in like this, sacrificing everything, considered a privilege to die for the glory of God. You know what happened? People on the outside were compelled. They looked to the community in the first church and they said, man, that's what I want. A purpose for which to live that transcends the temporary community, love, accountability, family. And the Bible says in Acts 2, 47, which we already read, they were praising God and having favor with all the people. They devoted themselves also to the breaking of bread. Acts 2, 46 says this, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. I've studied this passage. I've thought about it time and again. Why do they do it every day? I mean, come on, we're talking about every day going into the temple courts, every day, not just once a week. They wanted to though. Nobody had to say, hey, you guys are, I notice you're not coming to church every week. No, no. They wanted to be, why? They did because they needed each other. They were being persecuted. They needed encouragement, man. They needed somebody to love them. They knew they couldn't make it unless they had each other. But in America, we don't need each other. At least we think we don't. We're self-sufficient. But I want to tell you, there are times we do and when we do, if we've invested in community, it pays huge dividends, doesn't it? When the rug's pulled out from under you and you're invested in a life group and people that you've been doing life with, man, that's when it pays off. And I'm seated the night before I'm supposed to go and preach in the prison up on the Congo border. And it's late. My wife has gone to bed. I'm just outside. And I'm thinking about what I'm going to say. And you ever had that time? I just sensed things weren't coming together. I sensed, God, I'm not re- it dawned on me what I'm about to do. And I'd been so busy in the day-to-day affairs and I got on a plane Sunday and basically spent two days flying, got there. And then it dawned on me, I'm about to go into this prison. I've not even thought about it. I better get my act together. And I just felt a little battle going on. You ever feel that? I felt like I'm not ready. I can't do this. And then it's just, these thoughts started coming in, man, you can't do this. I mean, it's not going to, you're in trouble. You're not ready. And I got an email from a friend of mine. I want to read it to you because it made all the difference. He says, Jeff, I hope this email gets to you prior to your entering the prison. After reading your email, all I could think of is the emotions you're feeling. You're feeling is just like a, a prize fighter going into the ring for a title fight. You've been training your entire life for this moment. Your trainer has instructed and worked with you night and day for years. And now your trainer is finishing, wrapping your hands. He's letting you know that you are ready for the fight. You will be in the ring fighting for your life, but the trainer will be just outside the ring yelling instructions to you. 
even though there will be much distraction around you. Listen for the trainer's voice as he sees what's going on better than you may see because you're in the midst of the battle. Your upset stomach and frazzled nerves, how did he know? Is normal for such a serious fight. If you had total peace, then you're not taking the fight seriously. Finally, as you enter the ring, your trainer will rub your shoulders, slap you on the back and remind you, you can do this. Don't forget, you have a great plan. You've trained hard and should run into trouble. Listen for the trainer's voice. He will instruct you on what to do. He is not far away, just outside the ropes, praying for his prize fighter, Jeff Vines. Man, I read that and I went, whoa, man, what am I worried about? You better be afraid, evil one. You know, it's kind of, man, you better watch out. That's what a friend can do though, isn't it? Something like that, you get an email out of the book, it's like, man, I can take on the world. Who, give me five prisons. Come on, back to back. It's, you just, you feel it. And you know, God speaks a word of encouragement through a friend. And they met together regularly to break bread, to break bread because they reminded themselves of the love of God and also to remind them that God is a missionary God and they knew how to do it. They knew that if you're going to get to the heart of people, that you're going to have to serve them first. And the first century church was great at going and doctoring those who had contagious diseases, not caring if they caught the disease. When everybody else shunned the lepers, when everybody else shunned the sick, the Christians put them on beds and loved them and cared for them. And it was so compelling that everybody wanted in. I wish, listen, I'm almost done. I wish you could have been there. I wish you could have been there when we made our way down into the bush in Zimbabwe and those little kids were there. And they were pumping that well of water that you provided. That water was so precious to them, folks. It was like gold. It may not mean much to you, but to them, it's, it means health. Because water that's not contaminated means they can drink it freely. They can help them grow their own crops. It can help them. It's like life to them. They're so pleased. They wanted Pastor Jeff, please pump, please pump, please pump the water. Because of your sacrifice and your love, and some of you are starting to get it and you're all in now. You get it that they're not going to care what you know, right? Until they know that you care. And the, the principal came out and he wanted his picture made. With a, and you remember the buildings we showed you last year when we went to the schools and they were torn down and dilapidated. No, no floors in some of them. The, the, no desk or they were broken. And then to go back now. And be able to go in as the children were celebrating. New tables, new desks, new wall, new floors. They were so happy. And like I said, the principal said, I want the, I want the picture. I want the, and we took the picture. And the kids were out there. And they're all so happy. And now because of your love for these kids, there's a whole community of parents who are saying, who are these Americans that are loving my children that way? Tell me it's not true, parents. When somebody loves your child, you're more than willing to listen. I'm so proud of you. And while I was in Zimbabwe, I saw what it meant to devote yourself to prayer. Before I went out to speak at the Harari conference, my interpreter, Nicholas, said, Pastor Jeff, you're about to preach to these people. I must pray for you. So he took me back and we prayed. His prayer was longer than my sermon. <laughs> now, you know, that's saying something. The guy started praying. It's like he wouldn't shut up. Now, I'm, I'm just saying the way I felt. In the first 10 minutes, it got a little monotonous. Then I started, wait a minute, this guy, this guy prayed like he knew God personally. He prayed with expectation. He expected God to move. There seemed to be no doubt that God would not move. And he prayed expecting God to require something of him. 
God, just tell me what you want me to do. Tell me what you want me to sacrifice. I'll do it, God. You know why? Because he's all in. And by the time I got up to preach, I'm telling you, I felt, especially on Saturday night, the power of God and having a message to deliver. And it was like, all right, Jeff, you get out of the way and let the interpreter, translator, and God do their thing. I wish we were like that. I know some of us are, but I want to call us to more prayer. I hope that you're praying at night for that person that God's inspired you to walk across the room and trusting that he'll work in their life. I hope that you're praying for revival to come, that God would do in the 21st century what he did in the first century. Let me tell you something else you need to pray. Look around. You need to pray for land. You need to pray for space. It's time now. It's time. 400 plus people have been baptized this year. 90 people have come to Jesus in just this year. People are coming in all the time. We seem to bump a ceiling every time we hit around 5,000, then there's no parking. You get upset with each other because you have to slow out of the driveway. You have to understand and learn grace every weekend. I know that. I would too. It's my pet peeve, bad drivers. They're the only ones that have to go to purgatory first. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I need you to pray, folks. The Bible says that everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. When I was in Johannesburg at the airport getting ready to fly back, this whole ministry was over. I'm just sitting there like, man, I'm just not the man that I need to be. I want to be, but I'm not the man I need to be. And about that time, the phone rings and it's Anastas up in Rwanda calling me. And he says, Pastor Jeff, I mean, you think about what he says now. He says, Pastor Jeff, we in Rwanda are missing you. I thought, Anastas, oh man, I'm missing you too, my brother. He said, they, I have two things to say to you from the pastors. I said, what are they? He said, number one, I want to remind you that our pastors described your sermons this way. They are short, but powerful. <laughs> I said, what's the second thing? He said, all the pastors, after hearing your message in John 21, just want to assure you, we're ready to sacrifice everything. I didn't know what to say. Can you believe that? They have nothing. Day-to-day -day basic needs barely met. Their worship is powerful. And they tell me, a pastor who lives in affluence, that they're willing to sacrifice everything now. And as I hung up the phone, I asked myself the question, am I? <laughs> Folks, our best days are ahead of us here but you gotta be all in. You gotta be all in. They have shown me what God will do when you're all in. What God will do in a country, among a people. And I wanna challenge you. Are you all in? Everything. All of you. Because you're not waiting on God. God is waiting on us. And when we're all in, revival comes. And signs and wonders and the miraculous. When you're all in. And I want to challenge you, if you're not all in, in a life group, doing life together and being held accountable, jump in. Make that decision today. If you're not all in with your giving, get all in. I mean, you're looking at a group of pastors who live on as least as possible that they might give as much as possible to the kingdom. Are you all in with your resources, your talents, your spiritual gifts? Are you using them? 
Have you found your sweet spot so that you'll feel the presence of God? And have you been baptized? You say, oh no, Pastor Jeff, not this again. Why do you, why do you, what is with you and water? <laughs> Let me tell you what it is again. It is the very first command Jesus gives you as a new believer. And I say it again, if you can't obey the most fundamental command, I don't think you have much a chance of being all in. If you've not been baptized, you are not all in. Let's go. Our best days are ahead. But it's up to each individual to be all in. Father, thank you for, well, thank you for the trip to Rwanda and Zimbabwe. I thank you for your love. I thank you for giving me a glimpse and our people a glimpse this morning of what, it, what it's like to be all in. I pray, Father, that we would be able to position ourselves that you might do in the 21st century what you did in the very first century. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in the lives of our people right now. And as we rejoice and we praise you, that we would commit to you to be all in for your purposes in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. That's the end of our message about the early Christian church in Rome and their total commitment to God. I hope that's had some impact on you. Next time, we'll hear a new message from Pastor Jeff. You know why I'm afraid? I'm afraid if I pray that prayer, God will say, okay then, I'll give that to you and He'll start removing the distractions. But I love the distractions. Today with Jeff Vines. For more from Pastor Jeff, head to vision.org.au forward slash Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.